Today on After Two Beers, it's Steve Dressler of Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. I take long walks to the brewery. Now, just I, I try to. I'm, I'm truly relishing people's company, you know, because of all the things that um, that I will miss in retirement. That'll probably be one of the biggest, you know, because 34 years here, my social fabric is very much woven into Sierra Nevada. Hear the full conversation after this. After Two Beers is brought to you by Guinness, brewers of the world's most famous pub beers for more than 200 years. And by All About Beer magazine. Explore the culture of beer through award-winning news, reviews, education, and insights. Print and digital subscriptions are available by visiting allaboutbeer.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest beer news and to connect with fellow enthusiasts. And be sure to listen to our sister podcast, Beervana. Join writer Jeff Allworth and economics professor Patrick Emerson as they discuss the art, culture, economics, and business of beer and brewing. This is Daniel Hardis, the new editor of All About Beer magazine, with a quick programming note. If you're a regular listener, you'll notice that John Hall is absent from this podcast. Last month, John moved on to a new opportunity, and we wish him the absolute best. When John started this podcast, the intention was to drink two beers with his guests before he started recording. In the near future, the structure of the podcast might change in some ways, but we remain passionate about bringing you insightful interviews with some of the most fascinating thought leaders in the beer world. In late April, All About Beer's John Page sat down with Steve Dressler, the brewmaster at Sierra Nevada Brewing Company in Chico, California. I'll let Paige take it from here. By the time you're hearing this, Sierra Nevada is missing one of its most familiar faces. After more than 34 years with the company, Steve Dressler retired as brewmaster, and his last day was May 15th. Since his replacement was already on the job when I visited this April, we spoke in Dressler's temporary office, where you'll hear him answer a phone call early on. I started by asking him about his earliest memories of the brewery and founder Ken Grossman. Oh, and for full disclosure, we weren't drinking in his office, although I did have a fresh Sierra Nevada pale ale in the tap room before our interview. I read somewhere that you started here by applying on a sticky note and then got a job for four dollars <laughs> pretty hour close um, somewhere uh, Ken actually had a, a typed resume that I don't remember. I just remember when um, I came in to the brewery looking for work. Uh, he said, well, write down your information. And so I had, yeah, he gave me one of those little sticky pads, and I wrote down my name and address and phone number. And I was living up in the foothills at the time. And so I drove home, and then I got a phone call that night, late afternoon, uh, wanting to know if I could fill in on the bottling line the next day. And I said, sure. I was uh, in between jobs and not able to collect unemployment because I'd lied. And, and so I was serving my penalty. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so I did. I drove back down in town the next morning. And um, I got a job for $4 an hour cash. Um, and I was, uh, the human, I was the human case packer. So picking up four bottles at a time and, and putting them into a box. And this was uh, before we did six packs. So the box, we, we were doing a 24-pack with dividers. Um, 
everything was very manual, and so then I was I continued to pick up hours, mainly in packaging, uh, because then you would have in between, we were bottling then Monday, Wednesday, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday, something like that. So in between, what we would do is you would come in and we would pre-erect. Uh, and put inserts in a number of cases so that they'd be ready because we had no case erecting equipment. Uh, and so then we, we knew approximately what our yields would be. So we would do X number of cases, have them stacked down the hallway. And then we could supplement that on the fly the next day, but we were pretty much ready to go. And so I picked up hours doing that. I think when I got put on the payroll, it was for four fifty an hour. So that then I was taxed. And... Um, so this was all back in 1983, and then in April of that year, I got an opportunity to brew. So we were going to we were doing one brew a day, five days a week, five or seven barrel batches, depending on if it was a dark beer, it was five; if it was a pale, it was seven. And um, we were going to move to Saturday brewing, and so Ken didn't. Uh, he he always did everything. He's always involved. And he didn't want to pick up that Saturday shift, and so he asked if I'd be willing to do it, and I said, hell yeah, you know. And so I got an opportunity in the brew house, and then that rolled around until we kind of got into the summer months, at which point the fabrication company that I had been laid off from uh, kind of started working both jobs uh, to pick up as many hours in both places. I was working six days a week, and then... Um, the brewery, Sierra Nevada, offered me full-time. And I was making $9 an hour out at the fabricating company with full medical benefits. And I was making four fifty an hour with just uh, beer and dope smoking privileges at Sierra Nevada. Um, and so I said, I sold myself pretty tough. I said, if you can guarantee me 30 to 35 hours a week and raise me to five fifty an hour, I'll quit my other job and come to work here. And uh, yes, yeah, so I gave up the nine dollars an hour for the five fifty, and uh, but we were probably drinking three dollars a beer an hour. Um, can I call you back? And um, that was one of the best decisions of my life. Were you were you that passionate about beer, or were you just looking at the people and the the drinking beer while you're on the job? Yeah, it was all of the above, you know. Um, I was really developing a passion for, for brewing. You know, I was a biology and chemistry major, and I was home brewing. But I, I really started to get with it uh, when, um, when I worked at Sierra Nevada. And uh, one of the first things Ken did for any new employee was he would send them to some short courses at UC Davis to learn some uh, brewing specifics. Um, and so I did that right away. And then, you know, soon... in in craft beer, as soon as you start to network within uh, the community, you, you're kind of hooked by the personalities, you know, uh, just wonderful people. And, um, yeah, I love the staff. I love, it was just it was just fucking fun, you know. I mean, uh, the other job, uh, I was doing uh, uh, anti-corrosion with chemicals on aluminum airplane parts. And so it didn't really jive with my personal lifestyle, you know, eating organic foods and not truly organic in every way, but, you know, more of a healthful, holistic approach to life than, than dipping shit in aladine all day, you know, and doing <laughs> and painting 
polyurethane paint. Um, and it was, you know, it was, uh, it was a good job out of college. Um, that company has since gone out of business and we're still kind of doing well. And, um, so no, it was a, it was, it was a critical decision and, um, fortunately I chose well in that case. But, but at the time, there's how many breweries in the country and could you have ever imagined that Never. we'd be sitting here and there'd be 5,000? Never. Uh, there was, in 83, there was us and Anchor. You know, you get into 85 and following, uh, and I'm not, a, I'm not a, a historian by any means, but then you started getting some breweries in the Pacific Northwest. Um, Mendocino wasn't far behind. Uh, there were some other breweries that started up uh, in Northern California, Thousand Oaks in Berkeley. Uh, they were making uh, Prohibition-style bathtub beer. Um, uh, there was one in Sonoma that was real quick, you know, through. And um, and then, of course, the breweries up in uh, the Pacific Northwest, West, they've had the ability to stay with it. Um, so, that's... Uh, but no, do you... You know, Anchor, Anchor was the role model, I suppose. You know, they, <clears throat> very good beer, uh, great history, uh, large enough to support themselves, you know. Um, and I think my first year we were sub 2,000 barrels. Uh, I don't know exactly what it was, maybe a little more. You know, when we moved from our original facility on Gilman Way and put the brewery in here, 20th Street, 88, going into 89, you know, the the vision, 75, 80,000 barrels of beer, that was big. I mean, that was, uh, that was a sustainable business model. Uh, and, we, and we knew, uh, we knew pretty shortly on that we had underestimated uh, the potential at that time. Yeah. So uh, we got into a race all through the 90s of trying to add production. We were putting a new cellar on uh, yearly, if not more quickly than that. And um, yeah, those were very, very dynamic times, very exciting times, you know, trying to sustain a 25, 30% growth rate at times. Yeah, it was very, very exciting. What point did you become brewmaster? Well, you know, I try to remember, um, you know, we we were never. I think we got titled, uh, probably around eighty five, something like that. You know, we started to a little become a little bit more departmentalized. You know, uh, Ken in 87, 80, yeah, eighty seven probably at the latest was starting to work on the Twentieth Street Brewery, and so his time was more and more split between the Gilman Way Brewery and here on 20th Street. And so we needed, uh, there were, we needed to step up and basically take over the, the brewery management at that time. And so uh, one of the gentlemen uh, that was here before me, he's no longer with the company, he took over the packaging department. So you know, he became packaging manager. And I had the science degrees, and, and so I took over brew house for that that time, I was managing the brew house and from fermentation, and the quality lab, and so I got I got the brewmaster card. I got the cool one. So, um, yeah, probably eighty five, eighty six. Had a staff of 
four. <laughs> yeah, so. And and when you're leaving, what was that staff at? Oh, right now, now my staff that? is, uh, at its peak, it was probably at about 45. Okay. And uh, now I'm probably, now we probably have 41, okay. 40, 41. As we moved volume to the Mills River Brewery, um, that took the load off the pressure. We actually have moved three people that were on my staff to work out in Mills River, which is excellent. Uh, they're doing very well out there. So we've kind of shed and then not replaced and um, trying to absorb everything back within, you know, because our production volumes here have obviously fallen from their peak in 2014-15. I think we were pushing in 14, I think we were pushing over 1.1 million. And mainly just because you have North Carolina now. now. we have, oh yeah, now we have North Carolina, yeah. And so most, it's basically because of shipping logistics, uh, pretty close to a 50-50 split wow. on major brands. Uh, Chico is better structured because of our small brew house and small fermenters and just the way we developed uh, to do a lot of the, the small volume beers. So, for instance, the beer camp across the globe, across the world, uh, that we're working on now, that's like 400 barrel packaging amounts. And so uh, we do that brewing, you know, and say the, the porters and the stouts and the hefeweizens and things of that nature stay here in Chico. But this year, for instance, with Summerfest, uh, the seasonal we're involved with now, I think that was a 55%. North Carolina split. Okay. So, you know, we've got some good, better growing markets on the East Coast. We haven't have been there as long. And so it, it works out great. And uh, so the, the shipping dynamic was the whole motivation for putting a brewery on the East Coast anyway. So it's good that the model's working out very well. Um, for, for somebody that's maybe just a casual reader of all about beer magazine, um, not in the brewing industry, what do you think is something that might surprise them about the role of being the brewmaster at Sierra Nevada? How much fun it is. <laughs> no, um, I've, I've had, a, I'm realizing it now, I've got three more weeks to work. And um, I've been here for 30, almost 34 and a half years. And my, my job has evolved so much over the years from being a, basically a totally hands-on shift brewer, you know, um, and working in all different areas within the department um, to becoming more of a, a split between production person and department manager and then full department manager and then somewhat on the senior management group and then changing all through that time. You know, uh, I used to do the, the new beer formulation autonomously. Um, I was responsible for all beer release. Everything came across my desk to go into the trade. Uh, bought 100% of the raw materials, you know, all the different specialty malts and contracted hops for 25 years more than 25 years. So um, that's a blast, you know, a very challenging, uh, very diverse things that you do. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's fucking fun. I mean, you know, you can't, what can you say? Um, it's, uh, in my opinion, 
the best craft brewery in the industry, and I have the best job here. So, you know, surprise. Yeah, I don't think anybody <clears throat> can argue with that. No, um, and so it's yeah, it's uh, it, it's been it's been an amazing ride. So you were mentioning the new person is here. Are you able to say who that is? Yes, uh, the the new brewmaster here in Chico is a gentleman named Sean Lavery. Uh, he started at the beginning of this month uh, and uh, spent a number of years uh, working uh, with Anheuser-Busch, uh, left there a few years back and was working with Southern Tier Brewing um, in upstate New York. Yep. And so he's been here now for not quite a month. Uh, fantastic fit. Um, so uh, I'm trying to spend as much time just getting to know him as possible. He's an he's a, he's enjoyable company, and so he's going to have uh, he's going to have a fantastic he's going to have a fantastic career. What kind of advice are you giving him? Have fun. You know, uh, if you can't have fun making beer, you can't have fun, and um, just truly enjoy it. You know, the em, embrace. You know, em, embrace what Sierra Nevada has to offer. You know, it's a great culture it's a great climate you know it's incredible to work uh, in a company that is so quality and sustainability based you know so for me as a as a as an individual as a person uh, those those things make the job that much more rewarding so just really enjoy it um, enjoy the staff that he's inheriting he's getting a great staff very well trained good people um, so yeah, just really, really enjoy it, and you know, making beer, yeah, creating and sharing. I mean, that's what beer is all about. So then, three weeks left. Mm-hmm. What what does retirement look like for you? I uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy that. I'm gonna do long road trips with my wife. Pretty much the beginning going into it. I've got. I've got one commitment up in uh, Washington in Yakima on the beginning of August. So um, I've got a lot of projects. I'd like to get over to the coast uh, ASAP and do a week camp trip and then head north. Um, fulfill this commitment in Yakima. I have a speaking engagement there. And um, there's so much to see. My wife and I have traveled the last few years in Oregon and Washington, but I'd love to get up into uh, San Juan Islands. I've never been. I'd like to go to Victoria and head up the coast of uh, the island. And, you know, I could be on there. I could see being on the road for four to six weeks. So. Oh, wow. What does that look like? Are you in a van, a car? I have a crossover SUV. Um, I need to buy a tent that I can stand up in because I'm tired of crawling on the floor. <laughs> um, and I was looking at bike racks. And I need a basket for my roof rack, and so then we'll just tent camp. And if we don't want to be in a tent, we'll go get a nice room. So, yeah. That's Steve Dressler, who recently retired as brewmaster at Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. We'll hear more from Steve after this break. After Two Beers is brought to you by Guinness, brewers of the world's most famous pub beers for more than 200 years, and by All About Beer magazine. Explore the culture of beer through award-winning news, reviews, education, and insights. Print and digital subscriptions are available by visiting allaboutbeer.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest beer news and to connect with fellow enthusiasts. And be sure to listen to our sister podcast, Beervana. 
Join writer Jeff Allworth and economics professor Patrick Emerson as they discuss the art, culture, economics, and business of beer and brewing. And now, back to our conversation with Steve Dressler. Beyond long camping trips, I asked Steve if he planned to stay involved in brewing after his retirement. After, uh, after a bit of a hiatus, I will, um, I will see what's uh, available. You know, the, here again, the, the, the craft brewing industry is such an amazing entity. And, uh, with so many of, I have so many dear friends that I'm going to want to maintain contact with. And see if there's something that's not too strenuous or too time consuming that I can uh, get involved with. Uh, you know, I've judged for years. I would like to maintain that at the GABF, for instance. I've always wanted to steward at the GABF. Uh, I think that would just blow people away if great. I came walking in with a tray <laughs> of beers. Um, but I would, that's, that's something I would like to maintain. Um, you know, the, the speaking engagement I have is with uh, the Hop Growers International Hop Groups, and uh, that's something that's perhaps available for me to get involved with. We'll just see, you know, but I want to really, really want to enjoy this first summer and fall, and then when we get into the winter... That'll be 2018. We'll see what happens. I'm just seeing you on the road for a couple of weeks and then at a brewery doing a collaboration brew and then back yeah. on the road for a couple of yeah, weeks. Yeah, you know, that would, yourself all the way around the country. That could be a lot of fun, you know, and those are the things that uh, after my hiatus, we'll see, what, we'll see what comes from it. Cool. I mean, there's just, you know, I, ha- I have some, I, I think I have some great opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Ba- back to Sierra Nevada for just a little bit. Uh, this might be a crazy question but what is your favorite beer that you've brewed here or the one that you're most proud of or both it's a that's a, a good question and a tough one you know um you know I, people always ask you that classic question what's your favorite beer and it's like asking you what's your favorite who's your favorite child and i always tell them it's the one i'm not pissed at at the time <laughs> um you know the be- beers are so varied so um it all goes to the situation, but of all the beers that I have done here in my career, I, I do have two favorites. Uh, one uh, was the first wet hop beer I ever did, because that was the first wet hop beer ever done in the United States. People can read about that on our uh, on our website. Yeah, story about that. A couple no, of years I, I remember that, and uh, and that was very exciting. You know, that's that was very cutting edge creative. And then the other beer that is important to me, uh, when we got the pub open in uh, 1990, and it allowed us to showcase a few more beers, you know, we uh, in draft-only format, uh, because we had always a very limited portfolio. Uh, and so, cause, so I asked Ken if I could make a, an English-style brown ale, and uh, he gave me the... Uh, permission to do so and I always just love it he was just like sure but just buy the best raw materials you can and uh, which was a challenge back in those days there wasn't a hell of a lot out there Um, but uh, so I made a a brown ale and that had some different uh, evolutions over the years we had it as a seasonal slight variation tumbler for a while and uh, but that was the first beer that I ever got to put together on my own, totally by myself, um, and then present. So other than up to that point in time, 
small batches, you know, I would do when we were in Gilman, but it was, you know, mainly the Pale Porter Stout and um, Celebration of Bigfoot. I mean, that's that's kind of what we had going and, until we got over here in 1989, so. And then if it's a Friday lunch in the pub or day at the at the end of the end of the day on a friday what are you drinking in the pub um it's you know there's kind of the it's so it's so different over there now you know we have we have so many beers um to choose from and they rotate so rapidly now between uh the beers that we're just always doing and then we've got prototype beers uh, we're working on the beer camp project now, so some of those prototypes are going through. Um, I tasted a beer at lunch today that was just amazing uh, from our pilot. It's a Wildflower IPA. So Chico does this yearly uh, bike race, draws thousands of people in the town called the Wildflower Classic. And it's a number of different bike rides, all the way from short rides with kids to 120 mile whatever and this being such a gorgeous spring they're gonna they'll be doing it next weekend and uh one of the guys up in our pilot um in years past we've done kind of a rattler style mm-hmm. something very nice and refreshing well he did a he did uh, a beer with flowers in it this year and he's got dandelion i think a little hibiscus and all kinds of stuff and i tasted it in the fermenter uh, a couple three weeks ago and it was on tap today and if I make it over there to have a beer after work today, that's what I'll have. Delicious beer. Nice. Yeah, very, very nice. I, I also hear you're a big fan of gin. I have been known to consume gin on an almost daily basis, yes. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you ever mix the two? Have you ever tried like a gin Sierra Nevada beer oh, cocktail? God, no. <laughs> or uh, I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain. No, the closest, any barrel no the closest we've come, we have aged beers in gin barrels. And one of our beers, uh, I think the first uh, one, it was a beer camp beer, and we did a, a juniper stout. Mm. So we kind of did a dry hopping technique. Uh, it was a bit of a black IPA style, and then we had some juniper in it. And that was a very interesting beer. So, you know, I mean, that really kind of brought the the, the two worlds together. So, And, yeah. and juniper is a very powerful flavor note and so uh, I, I i tend to have some herbal sensitivities herbal distillation sensitivities so a lot of uh, unfortunately a lot of craft gins uh, i can't drink uh very much of because they they'll really tend to give me a headache and i can tell pretty quick if i if i'm having an issue there you know so um, it's like a spidey sense yeah very very much so it's a it's an almost an immediate head feel hmm. so um but I've also uh, taken on quite a, a liking for bourbon, so I always have a fallback option. That's good. That's smart. <laughs> yes. It's good to have a lot of options. Yeah, yeah. I like options. Um, so I have, I guess, two more big questions yeah. for you. Um, we were talking earlier about just like the state of things right now mm-hmm. in the beer industry. Yes. For someone like you who's been in it for more than 30 years, when you look around right now, where do you see things going in the next 10 years. it's Yeah, you know, I was uh, in Washington, D.C. a couple of weeks ago for the Craft Brewers Conference. And, you know, uh, the, the folks from the BA that do the first two sessions for the most part in addressing these things. Uh, it's a really interesting dynamic. You know, um, 
you know, as as when we were talking earlier, you know, the the larger established brands, unless you have the ability to open new markets, uh, that's a, that's a tough. It's tough right now, uh, and uh, and I think it's going to be tough a, a little for a little bit longer. Uh, you know, uh, and you know, the dynamic nature of these really small. You know, sub two thousand barrel breweries, sub one thousand barrel breweries. Uh, you know, that's where the growth is in in those breweries and in the, you know the just the more localized craft brewers. I mean, uh, and I you know, and I really like that as as an individual. You know, I'm a buy local kind of guy. Um, you know, it, I, I you know I always encourage people to buy Sierra Nevada because. It's going to be the best quality beer, in my opinion, that you're going to consistently find. But uh, when I was traveling um, the week before this, and I mean, I was in I was in Milwaukee for a couple of beer events, and I and I love Milwaukee, and so I had a day, and I said, let's visit some new local breweries. And you're walking through a neighborhood, and you come around the corner, and it was a beautiful day in the Midwest, and there is a nice outside patio area with picnic tables and four to five people sitting at every one of them and they've got their dogs and it's you know they're having their pints and it's just like shit that's just that is beautiful in my mind that is an absolutely beautiful thing and i i think that um i think that that's just going to really i don't think that's ever going to go away you know as long as uh these it's almost it's just almost having like you're walking local bar but now it happens to be a brew pub um as long as people are making good beer, quality beer, and they're not financially overextending themselves, um, that's a uh, that's a craft beer dynamic that's here to stay, and, and I think it's fantastic. Um, so, one would think that the the number of breweries would hit a saturation point. How do you how do you how do you put a bar there? You know, when you're looking at little breweries that are just going to service their over-the-counter mm -hmm. and have sub-10 draft accounts within their, their city or town. You know, uh, Sacramento, Roseville area now. Shit, I think they're up to 80, 85 breweries. Um, if you go back five to seven years ago, there were, I bet there weren't a dozen. Right. And, uh, and I... I know there's more opening. I don't sense uh, from reading the Sacramento paper that there's any feeling of saturation there. It's just like, oh God, you know, it's just, they're again, uh, making good beer. Um, so uh, I don't, I don't think that I, there'll ever be another Sierra Nevada, you know, to, it's, I don't think that sets within the dynamic, you know, to, to start a brewery now and, and get into that size level. I think if, uh, if you're not established, um, it's going to be very difficult to do that. Although, as I say that, there are a lot of breweries that are doing, doing very well and are growing because they're still regional, you know. So, but to do a startup now and go to a national brand uh, as a privately owned entity, uh, I don't think you'll ever see that again. It's one of the things that makes my career here at Sierra Nevada even that much more special. You know, so. Well, I was going to ask, do you, from where you guys have come to where you've grown and 
on a Friday afternoon to walk into that pub and just see so many people there and there's a line to get in the door at noon you must yeah. pinch yourself in the oh room. yeah I, I do I, I really do and I have for a long time you know uh, when there were a number of times where over the last 30 plus years you know and in conversations with Ken and you know you basically look at each, each other and say you know number one what the hell happened you know because <laughs> You try and for where the last thirty years go, you know, and, and and then what what we got to create, you know, um, it's an amazing thing, and I'm sure I'm sure I'm not alone in that, you know. I have I'm good friends with so many brewmasters, you know. It's a Full Sail or Boulevard or you know, uh, um, uh, Firestone Walker, you know. Uh, there's so many friends of people they've grown and done phenomenally well and I, I would imagine they kind of say the same thing you know um, that yeah we just kind of got we had the privilege of getting that much of an earlier start so we were really on the, we were really on the frontier and so that that makes it a little bit more special to me so I, I lied because I have one more question that's fine for you. so your your last day What's your last day here? Um, the fifteenth of May. And I'll come in and sign my paperwork. What is that? What does that perfect last day look like for you? I think it's going to be pretty short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, I, what I'm trying to do uh, the the Friday before the will be the twelfth, and so I've talked to my department managers, and I'm hoping that we can manipulate production such that uh, we can shut down my department mid-afternoon and I would like to have an all-department meeting we never we never I think we've ever done that and I would like to have an opportunity to say thank you so that would be and from there I think we'll move down the street and have a few drinks um, and then on the Saturday afternoon uh, the brewery is hosting a kind of a going away party it'll be more of a a social. I, I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to make it formal. You know, I didn't want to say have it. You know, Steve Dressel will address the address the group at four thirty, because I didn't want people to have to structure their time frame around me. You know, so it's just basically come in and have a cheers and sip a beer, and you can do whatever you'd like. I didn't realize at the time it was the only Saturday I had available in May because of other commitments. It also happens to be Mother's Day weekend, <laughs> and so I've, I, you know, that people are busy and weekends are important, and uh, I'm not, I'm not disappearing off the planet. So a lot of people are like, oh, I'm so bummed I can't come, and it's like, you know what? Call me and invite me out for a drink. More than likely, I will join you, and so it's, it's, yeah, it's going to be very, very casual, and then. Um, I'll come in on the 15th, and I have yet to make these arrangements. I have to do my exit interview, which, which should be a hell of a good time, um, and sign out my paperwork. So, I don't know. I, 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 that'll, that'll be... That whole, that whole thing that I just described is going to be very, um, very bittersweet. So, um, more sweet than bitter, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's going to... It's going to be difficult for me. Um, yeah. But then by the same token, I have yet to find anybody that's retired and says it sucks. <laughs> and um, 
and so I just I, I want to and I will there's no reason why this day and age that you can't maintain as much contact as you want with the people uh, that you like and right. as little as you want with the people you don't <laughs> of which there are very few and far between well that's good yeah it's, you know it's yeah it's been been lovely well, everyone, that's all for our conversation with Steve Dressler, who hopefully found a tent tall enough to stand up in. Thanks to him for taking the time to chat, and we wish him the best in retirement. I'm John Page, and I edited today's episode of the podcast, which is produced by our fantastic new editor, Daniel Hardis. For everyone at All About Beer, thanks for listening, and cheers! After Two Beers is brought to you by Guinness. Brewers are the world's most famous pub beers for more than 200 years. And by All About Beer magazine. Explore the culture of beer through award-winning news, reviews, education, and insights. Print and digital subscriptions are available by visiting allaboutbeer.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest beer news and to connect with fellow enthusiasts. And be sure to listen to our sister podcast, Beervana. Join writer Jeff Allworth and economics professor Patrick Emerson as they discuss the art, culture, economics, and business of beer and brewing.